1: Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ Straight Fire! This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
1: Anybody else go 0 and 4 this weekend in their wild card picks? No? Just me? Okay. No, I'm jumping there with you, player. I'm <laughs> right there with you. No, you weren't though. You expect were, the you unexpected. Were one three. You were okay, one in yeah. three in your picks. I uh, it's tough to do. I wear that as a badge of honor. With Fiddy, I think going two and two. You might be going one and three. I'm zero oh and four. It was a disappointing wild card weekend. But an upsetting wild card weekend, if that makes sense. Lots of underdogs winning. And yet I was just picking all of the wrong teams to end up victorious. Not to mention, uh, the Queen City might have gotten the blues a little bit
2: on uh, Saturday watching they uh, sure did. a certain quarterback play.
1: They sure did. We're going to talk a lot about it. <laughs> Plenty of blues to go around. Panthers fans watching the Texans march on in the NFL playoffs. We have the blues from the ones and twos over there with... Josh Fitty Marlowe watching the Dallas Cowboys lose. We'll get to that in just a moment. We've got a lot to talk about today on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'll, here's what I like with all of us going into the fishbowl after a weekend like that. Mm-hmm. You can tell how ex, how excited we are just to talk sports. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh we, yeah. We all walk in there, and we're doing the show. We're just flat out doing the show mm-hmm. in the fishbowl.
2: Yeah, that's we, why I don't like to tweet much during stuff like that. I just want the listeners to be waiting to anticipate what we're going to say when we get on the mic.
1: All right, so I have some um, misery loving company type thing here. Wolfpack James writes in, Walker, I went 0-4 as well. Hurricane Hugo said, I went 0-2, an underdog fantasy. Yes, share your pain. (laughs) Yes, Roy, (laughs) share your pain with us on the text line. But that is what's so fun. We're all, even with Fiddy, having experienced his favorite NFL team getting destroyed in a way nobody saw. Nobody saw that happening. Even if you love hating on the Cowboys, there's just no way you thought you would see green Bay get out to a 27, nothing lead. That was certainly not in the cards. And so even Fiddy is telling you what needs to happen with Dallas, right? We're all excited to talk about what the hell happened with Miami. What's going on at the quarterback position for all of these teams, whether we love it for green Bay, we love it for Houston, or it's like, Oh, they got some decision to make in Dallas and Miami. We are so sportsy. We are so sportsy today. (laughs) Talk Sports Guy, this is the show for you. Yes, this is for you. Talk Sports Guy, right on in. You can tell us to talk sports. We're going to be doing it a lot today on Wesson Walker. Let's pull up to the scene, open up the doors. Go ahead, Mr. Bus Driver. Let's get off the bus.
2: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn!
1: Let's start with this, Wes, there's a lot to choose from, but I'll just go ahead and leave it up to you. What do you think the biggest storyline is coming out of the weekend? Mm. There's a lot to choose from, whether it be Saturday night, yesterday. What do you think is the biggest storyline coming out?
2: Oh, no question. It's the collapse of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this was a team that a lot of people fancied to get to the NFC Championship uh, with everything they had done this year, three straight seasons with 12 uh, wins or more. Dak Prescott and that offense looking unstoppable at home. Everybody thought Cowboys at home, no problem, including us. I thought that this was the game least likely to go against, um, you know, go against the grain. I thought the Cowboys... Not necessarily had it in the bag because I give everybody a, a puncher shot in the NFL, but I just thought that Dallas was a more focused bunch. You, you kind of got the feeling throughout the season that this was a more focused uh, Dallas team, and especially with Dak overcoming early season adversity and really turning it on in the second half of the season, you thought that this Dallas team was primed to at least get to the NFC Championship game. I didn't necessarily see them getting that far uh, as my NFC Championship pick was before this whole thing started, Detroit and San Francisco. Uh, but I thought Dallas was at least going to handle business against Green Bay, and for them to lose in the fashion in which they did, definitely a shocker. Not much shocks me
1: in sports. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can top what happened with Dallas last night. And there, I, I say there are lots to choose from because there's lots of interesting storylines, right? right? There's a lot to talk about based on what happened this weekend. But clearly, you're totally right about this. I'm pretty shocked too that they got destroyed. And maybe that's naive of me going into every single postseason expecting more from the Dallas Cowboys because for almost 30 years now, they have not been performing up to expectations. I guess really up to 30 years pretty much at this point. They've not been performing up to expectations. But man, I certainly did not see them getting blown out the way they did. Wes, their defense, even with some trouble spots here and there throughout the season, they were clearly one of the best defensive units talent-wise and really production all year long and they lay down in the second half. They got destroyed in the first. Jordan Love was out there balling. Matt LaFleur was in his bag. Aaron Jones had three rushing touchdowns, so you had balance all across the board. Micah Parsons couldn't get to Jordan Love, and even if he did, he was throwing fadeaway touchdown throws. Like, it was crazy to watch what happened. Here's why I also agree why that's the biggest storyline. Think about what they've set up for themselves this entire offseason, all day today. We're going to be wondering, are we going to get the breaking news of Mike McCarthy being on up out of there? Are we going to see Dak Prescott finally get moved on from? Despite what was a top five QB year this past season in the regular season, he was awful yesterday. Yes. And you know me, I love Dak Prescott. I'm among the biggest defenders in the Dak Prescott family. But I can't defend what happened yesterday. Dude was awful. I thought Mike McCarthy was terrible. I thought the defense gave up. Dan Quinn didn't put his best guys in the best situations either. But even if he did, the players were not going to be there anyway because they gave up. And and here's what's happened. Now, Dallas, Dak, they could have the best regular season in the world next year. They Hang could. They could flat out go 17 and 0. Wes, they could flat out go 17 and 0. And even they, it's one thing for the fan base to lose faith in you, but even they're gonna have to understand. At 17 and 0, it doesn't matter until we get to this next game in the postseason. Exactly. That's why it's the biggest deal, because this story is not going to be forgiven. It's not going to blow over until you get to the next postseason game for them. That's the only way this thing blows up.
2: I agree with you 100%, and for Dallas fans, it's got to be excruciating. Like you said, three straight seasons, 12 wins or better. And it's like every time you lose as a fan, when you have a season that good, you can't wait to get back to the playoffs. The regular season starts to become not necessarily irrelevant, but it's like a formality. It's like, all right, just like it was for San Francisco after Purdy got hurt and— fans were sitting there saying hey let's get back to this point the regular season is cool but let's get back to the playoffs and I think that's what Dallas fans have to be at this point but at the same time it's like they get frustrated because it seems to be the same story every time and I thought the big thing with that game was I felt when Dallas got that special teams penalty for running into the retirement I said this team doesn't look focused and I said they look like a team that doubted the Packers shook all the way yeah, to their core yeah, every single it player felt like, yeah, it felt like it felt like they came out and was like yeah coach we know what you're saying we know this team can beat us whatever but we're at home with the Cowboys and we destroy people at home and then before you know it it was 21 nothing and then before you know it pick 6 down the sideline, and it was, woo. what happened here?
1: This is the type of conversation that is a lot more fun to have in bunches. Help us out, 704-570-9610. That's how you can text in your playoff thoughts to the show. 971 asked, does the Packers win over Dallas? Remove the asterisk, quote-unquote, from the Panthers win over Green Bay. I saw those takes from Panthers fans, and I think the NFL is really weird, but Joe Barry, despite being ridiculed all season long, did a pretty good job against the Dallas Cowboys this playoff weekend and maybe that does boost Bryce up a little bit before we get to the C.J. Stroud conversation. <laughs> yeah. but at least the Green Bay thing we can focus on. Well, in a we had line. a little bit,
2: little bit of that in our text exchange when you and I and 50 were talking about the, uh, the, the C.J. Stroud game and the fact that the Panthers beat them and how great they looked. And so, yeah, those are two circumstances where you look at it and it just shows you how crazy the league can be from week to week because mm-hmm. the Green Bay defense that I thought coming in, even when they got up in that game by three scores, I said, well, I was like, Dallas can score in bunches. And I said, Green Bay's defense isn't that good. So I was like, this game isn't over yet, but the defense came
1: to play. Um, the other big storyline here, and this one could overtake Dallas if you really started to think about the history and the magnitude of this moment. It's the fact that Detroit wins a home playoff game. Oh yeah. It's a big deal. Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, especially with the battle going against the Rams, the very team that did not want Jared Goff anymore mm-hmm. to go get Detroit's QB, who also suited up against him and – Bald. Yeah, he played good. Matthew Stafford was insane in this game. And Jared Goff, Ben Johnson and company, they did enough damage in the first three drives to help them out. Just yeah. with a little, like another field goal. That's all they did. First three drives, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Ben Johnson in his bag. Field goal, lackluster second half. Rams slowly getting closer and closer, mm-hmm. but eventually Detroit holds them off. And so that was a big win. Before we move on to the end of this segment, we got to get Fiddy's thoughts. Yeah, no doubt. he can't not talk on the mic well, about, the to the people about the Dallas
2: Cowboys. Fitty. I mean, talk to the people about the Cowboys.
1: Fiddy, just tell us what your feelings are and your <laughs> first thoughts on watching Dallas get destroyed by Green Bay.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought the biggest takeaway this weekend was young quarterbacks coming of age in the postseason. C.J. Stroud getting his first career postseason win. Jordan Love winning uh, last night in Dallas. And Patrick Mahomes reestablishing control and dominance in the AFC, um, and there's really nothing else to talk about from the playoff weekend in the National Football League.
1: It was bad. It was a bad performance. And
2: our last one I'll throw in, too, is just uh, my other big storyline this weekend was the weather. I mean, everybody from still casual story. fans to novices were talking about the weather in Uh, kansas city and now today we just don't even know what we're about to be in store for with this buffalo pittsburgh game
1: still a story we got a couple more games tonight watching pittsburgh buffalo the volunteers the shirtless volunteers shoveling snow in the 20 stadium. 20 bucks an hour. Crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. And we also will see if Philadelphia continues their free fall. Cannot be comfortable, especially without A.J. Brown in this game against the NFC South winner in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll move on and we'll talk plenty more about other NFL topics, what we saw this weekend in Wild Card Weekend. We did want to wish everybody a happy MLK Day. Happy MLK Day to everybody out there. And Wes, I know you wanted to have uh, share a few thoughts on what MLK Day means to you and what it should mean to everybody. Well, no doubt about it. I mean,
2: what can be said about the man that hasn't been said already? One of the greatest human beings to ever walk uh, the face of the earth, whether you talk about the barriers he broke uh, in Birmingham or his I Have a Dream speech altering the course of American history, winning a Nobel Peace Prize, Montgomery bus boycott. I mean, you name it. He did so much, and I think the thing that resonates, and we did a great piece about this that I put together for the ACC Digital Network that you can go check out today with various coaches and players talking about his impact and when you listen to them talk. They just talk about one of the biggest things was his ability to want to solve con- uh, conflict without violence and without force. And that's the thing, and if a lot of people carry that on and embody that uh, today, the world would be a much better place. And I, I, And I think about some things, and we've come a long way um, and and I'm and I'm talking about African Americans as well. They they've come a long way since uh, his untimely passing too. And and I think about a lot of times in certain instances, how would he feel about some of the things that you know still happen today that have happened, and some of the things in history in recent history that have happened. But you know, this man is one of the reasons I sit in this chair today for him breaking down color barriers. And and I just thank him for all that he did. Uh, he, like I said, just one of the greatest human beings and the things that he did you talk about when people uh, come onto this earth you want to have an impact somehow whether it's an impact in your home or whether it's the impact where you work or your community but this man had an impact on the world that still lives on today and this is a legacy that will never be surpassed and we could all only hope uh, to live in a way that that Martin Luther King would be proud of I think
1: I'm- I think him, too, uh, because I think what what happens here on MLK Day, it, it's a good as a reminder of any to remember exactly his impact and the common criticism we often get on how people operate on this day, like particularly white people, is that they'll post a few feel good quotes on social media. They'll say something just because they feel like they have to. Mm -hmm. And lots of people might even mean it. I don't want to degrade that. Like when they go to the move forward quotes or the only love can show you the light type of quotes that people usually copy and paste on your Facebook page, you might actually mean it. I don't want to degrade it. But the criticism, it doesn't come from a place of invalidation of those quotes. Like those things matter. What MLK said But just like in all categories of communication, critics can be skeptical of how those quotes are being manipulated. And if you post them because they actually come from a real place, that's great. But oftentimes people don't believe that black people have become so used to seeing those same graphics over and over again from the very accounts that don't exactly display that same energy the other 364 days of the year. And so now they've come to know the signs of the hypocrite or the person posting that in bad faith. What I don't want to get lost in this, though, is that the message of love and compassion, it was absolutely essential. Just like you were saying, Wes, that's exactly what was so essential about what Dr. King was and what he preached. It's just we have to remember he also demanded the seat at the table. That was also a part of everything he preached. If you think of him as this person who compromised, That's absolutely not true. I think that's how people get it twisted. To me, it's important to remember why Dr. King was such a proponent of love. It certainly came from a very real place. It's also because it was the only action why people would actually listen to at the time. And it's the only answer people who were kicking, beating, pouring food, spitting, all of the heinous things that were going on, everything that was going on towards people protesting peacefully, it was the only thing the people doing that too, the peaceful protesters would listen to. Black people had to be perfect, literally perfect, and show more human decency at the most difficult of times. In the very group acting like the animals themselves, because their preferred segregated lives were being challenged. And if white people could prove that peaceful protesters, they were the animals then they would win in their made-up world that was reality even if they had to act like animals themselves to try to prove that mlk continued to fight and people on the right side of history should continue to fight every day. I think MOK Day is a good reminder, as good a reminder as any, to relay that message. And so that's why it's important to continue to remember everything that he stood for rather than us seeing an incidence of police brutality, something negative, constantly bringing that up. And that's why we talk about it. It's important to have a day of celebration for all that MOK did and remember all the work we still have to do. No doubt about it. That was strong, man we appreciate it. We'll end on that. Yeah. Okay. We got more <laughs> football coming up next. Plenty of football to talk about here on Wes and Walker. You're listening to sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ. Here's the question for you. Which Panthers head coaching candidate gained and lost the most stock this weekend? We answered that on the other side of the break on Wes and Walker.
4: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Such a football show! Mm. It's all football
2: and MLK tributes, but also a lot of football. Yeah, we got the Madden uh, music playing. Oh, I
1: love it. Madden's playing. Yeah, bring it on, Fiddy. Play the NFL DJ role today on Weston Walker. You're <laughs> listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I had the question going into the break. Which Panthers head coaching candidate gained and lost the most stock this weekend? Maybe not even just for the Panthers, just overall, 704 9610, that's the text line you can uh, write your answer into. Big Cat Dan is the first one to answer this question. He says, a lot will go for Ben Johnson, but Bobby Slowick's stock shot up for me. He's not in the running, but Adam Stenevich from Green Bay has done an awesome job with Love. So I think Big Cat Dan hits it right on the head here, Wes. That's where I'll start. Bobby Slowick's my answer. Was there anybody that did a better job with what they had and what he has is good like now we're to the point where what you have even if you didn't expect it at the beginning of the season what you have is pretty damn good so let's give him the credit but he's still doing the most with the pieces that are on offense i thought green bay was going to give some love as well like the way that they destroyed dallas it's only a matter of time before you start to go there and try to get some of the assistance frank Smith. Uh, what, you know, Zach Taylor, when he was on Sean McVay's staff, whatever that kind of style looks like. I thought Green Bay would be here, but Wes, I, there are some candidates to choose from. For me, I think Bobby Slowick is in a different territory with you doing the same thing, even more so in the postseason with CJ Stroud scheming guys up. CJ delivering on a dime. CJ was insane against Cleveland. Slowick is the answer for me. What about you? As uh, far as who did the most for their stock?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, when you look at what Bobby Slok was able to do, some of the cool play designs that he had as well. But I mean, CJ Stroud comes out and I'm going to give CJ a whole lot of that credit as well, because he's the one that has to come out and has to execute. But I mean, he goes 16 of 21 274, 157.2 passer rating, the highest for a rookie ever in a playoff game. Two touchdowns of 76, 37, and 15 yards. That stat
1: line some, felt like it was in the first half, by the way. Right. Then he
2: had uh, you know, some big completions, 38, and a 27-yard completion as well. But, you know, youngest to win a playoff contest. He passed Michael Vick, first quarterback, drafted in the top two of the draft since 67 to start and win a playoff game in their rookie year. So uh, it was the offense was spread all over. Four different Texans caught a pass of 27 yards or longer. Uh, and so this game definitely showcased his ability, his skills, and, um, you know, just what they were able to do over the course of the season. And we talked about Ben Johnson, and, yeah, he's done a spectacular job the last two seasons in Detroit. They've got plenty of talent there. There's no question about it. And they've executed the great game plans that he's uh, come out and put forth for them. But when you talk about Slowick and all the injuries they had on the offensive line and not having a ton uh, of running game and for them to be as offensively potent as they are, Yeah, he certainly was impressive and definitely made a name for himself as the top offensive coach that is untested uh, on the market because Ben Johnson had that title for a while, but I think Bobby Sloick certainly planted his flag this weekend with what he did.
1: Fitty, who do you think did the most for themselves this weekend as far as their stock is concerned?
3: I think a candidate emerged that we weren't uh, considering before yesterday at about 7.45 p.m. I think Mike McCarthy's name will be a name that will enter the Panthers head coaching search after Jerry Jones fires him. You, you, you think he did the most to get hired by a different team, okay? Yes, like, because that's an no one's going to want him. He's going to be undesired, kind of like, you know, his wife. And, um, you know, when you you look at it, Bam. he has an offensive track record of success. <laughs> He's won 12 games, three straight years. He'd bring a, wedding, uh, a winning pedigree in the regular season. Here to Carolina. So I do think that'll be a name that will emerge. I think the name that that hurt himself the most was probably Frank Smith in Miami. I don't know how much of a name he really was, but Wes and I were just, I mean, going in on that game plan, him and Mike McDaniel put together on Saturday night in Kansas City because it felt like he'd maybe be like the fourth or fifth option for Carolina if you swung and missed on Ben Johnson and some of these other guys. But I think that's a name that will no longer be as hot as it was because that game plan he put together on the road for Tua and the and the Dolphins wasn't winning football. I,
1: my I don't know if Frank Smith moved up or down because I think a lot of that criticism is reserved for Mike McDaniel. I think when you watch that game, I think they eventually got to a place where they were scared to let Tua throw in that wind chill, that wind, and that weather. And Tua kept having those balls sail from his hands and not deliver accurately. They also didn't run very well. And I think that's the biggest piece of criticism for Mike McDaniel and company. Because if you think about it, what is Kyle Shanahan known for doing, besides calling what is an excellent offense anyway, but he's the guy that innovates the run game. He's the one everybody's looking at with all of the creative runs. Mike McDaniel, that clip went viral. What was it a few years ago before he took this Miami job, when he was talking about the pitch on dives, when you would pitch the football mm-hmm. on dives and up the middle, it's to get the defense thinking it's going to be an outside run. And for that split second, you break a little too much to the outside, but then they cut it up. And it's just thinking about these little tricks and nuances of a run game that allows you to be so successful. And the run game didn't show up. Well, not it, only that, he didn't run. Yeah, he only ran the ball 18 times. Correct. He let Tua put
2: it up 39 times in that weather. And I know granted, the more they got down, the more that they right. have to throw, but Raheem Mustard was averaging. 4.1 yards a carry, but he only gets eight carries. And I thought that
1: they just did not call a game plan to their strengths. And I just don't. I well, wonder if he's hurt, too, though. Like, I I just, those are some questions I have. You're right. that He wasn't good.
2: Right. If he if he's hurt. But, I mean, he gives a chain six carries. Yeah. And, you know, he averaged one and a half. But I just feel like that I just don't understand why coaches get to the playoffs and don't call plays to the strength of what they do you got to the playoffs by doing a certain thing well or certain things well and for miami because somebody asked me i was out at a gathering and they were like well how do you know it's not execution but i'm like when you see plays like to catching it and automatically throwing it to tyreek hill in the flat that's a rehearsed play. That's what was intended. And that's a weak game plan when you're doing that on third and long. And I just thought that they just called a very scared uh, game plan. But that's the thing, you know, and, and I normally – I know I talk about how I hate the genius label that gets put on coaches and things of that nature. But I just thought that every coach is going to have their game where they got to pay dues and they got to learn some harsh lessons. And I think for Mike McDaniel, if they are smart and learned anything, that the next time they get in this situation – you got to let them hang. Well, and, and
1: think, <laughs> think about the smart minds that are in this NFL. Uh, team, right? like Man, sometimes my, they're too smart. Or in the postseason, I should say, not mm-hmm. even just the league. Mike McCarthy was one of the more criticized guys that led his team to a, a playoff appearance. But think about all the bright minds. What, what, not to just focus on a genius tab, right? But mm-hmm. Sean McVay, like I, I will continue to think he might be the best coach in the NFL like top two, top three. I think he's that good. And yeah, I know he lost, but I also think Ben Johnson and I think Dan Campbell. He did a great job
2: with them this season.
1: Yeah, and Dan Campbell is the man. Like, he marries this football, establish the run with innovative, going for it more than any other league, uh, more than any other team in the league on fourth down and marrying advanced metrics to old-style football. I love that. But Kyle Shanahan in the league, Mike McDaniel, Todd Munkin, Mike McDonald, D'Amico Ryans, Bobby Slowick. I just it's pretty easy to see the guys that we had been talking about doing such a good job all season long. They're all in the postseason, And so it's it's just interesting to see some of that. What were some of your thoughts to what Wes was discussing?
3: I was going to ask y'all to, did y'all get the impression last night during the lions game that Ben Johnson had to maybe remind everyone that he's that dude too, because after Bobby Slowick's game plan Saturday afternoon, we were, I mean, everyone was just in all of the game plan. And then here comes Detroit first home playoff game since 1957 in the city of detroit and they came out guns ablaze and they were slinging the, the, the ball all over the field it kind of felt like ben johnson was like hey guys i know that slow dude in houston's good too but we got a good thing going here in detroit and we're going to show it on national television
2: well i thought too i mean i said yesterday or i said going into that football game that yeah they definitely got out by the skin of their teeth but I thought that it was one of those games like when the Saints came back in that first game from Katrina. I was like, nobody's going to go in and beat them on this day. And with Detroit and their faithful not seeing a home playoff game for 30 years, I was like, there's no way anybody's going in there and beating this team. Now, they came close to losing the game, but they made the play. Yeah. They needed too late to do it. But I think more so than anything, uh, if you want to take anything away from what Ben Johnson did, I thought he called the game for them the same way that he had. Uh, all season long, he played to their strength, and that's what you have to do. But I thought his aggression late in the game was more of a badge of merit on him, how he did not yep. try to just salt the game away it's running it, yeah, and yeah. be content, giving it back to the defense. He said, no, we're going for it. We're going to get them up out of here. And then he throws the the, the pass to St. Same, same Brown. On second and gets nine. the first down. Yeah. Says, hey, we're going to close the show right here. And I think that's more of something – that you could put a feather in your hat for a guy that you know is going to be aggressive.
3: Like yeah, because McCarthy would have ran the damn ball. He would have run it! <laughs>
1: Why are you trying to establish Tony Pollard in the third quarter? Dude, <laughs> what are you
3: doing? Did Did you see Warren Sharp's tweet about his, about the analytics yesterday on, on running on second down yesterday? I did not. How bad were they? They were averaging like 1.2 yards per play, and every like analytical metric that has been invented, like total points added, <laughs> is telling you not to run the ball. And there's Ogre, there's Ogre McCarthy, running the ball, but mind you, if he becomes a candidate. I would want him to be hired here in Carolina because in the regular season, they're going to be pretty damn good.
1: All right. So, yeah, that that's a separate conversation. But I do think perhaps the most on the same page that we are, Fitty, in conversations that we've had this year to the utmost despair and anger and passion towards a topic, I'm not even a Dallas Cowboy fan, and I get angry for you when I watch McCarthy run the football down multiple touchdowns in the second half. We saw it against Arizona. And we saw it in the postseason game. When the going gets tough, McCarthy crumbles in a way that I'm just not sure what in the hell he's doing. And so McCarthy certainly lose. We think maybe he might lose his job today. That's a that's an actual thing that might happen. But also, we can just go to the guys that lost the most stock. Dan Quinn. Yes. (laughs) Could you have a worse showing from a person that is in charge of a unit? than what Dan Quinn showed against Green Bay. I don't think you can. And the talent on said unit. Wes, Green Bay, and this goes to Adam Stenovich. Like I I put Stenovich in this Frank Smith mold where Stenovich is the Green Bay OC. I he's certainly part of the game plan. He's quite literally coming from the Matt LaFleur tree, which used to be on the Washington coaching staff in 2013 that always has shown up with McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan and all that. But they don't call the plays, but they're certainly a part of the game plan. So maybe Stendovich is somebody you should look at. I don't know their direct involvement. But Matt LaFleur called a great game balanced where Aaron Jones went crazy at first. They played off of that where Jordan Love is delivering dimes, throwing fadeaways like he was MJ out there. And perfectly in the end zone on third down, crucial moment. There are also guys that are schemed up wide open. Like there's the graphic of Luke Musgrave with, I, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. There's a graphic of Luke Musgrave who catches the ball 40 yards downfield, and there's not anybody quite literally within 40 yards of him. He's more open than my
3: DMs on Twitter. More open than that,
1: okay? <laughs> and those things are open. I can tell you right now, those DMs are open for Fitty and for Dan Quinn to not be able to stop him at all. Wes, they couldn't stop them. I, no West, answers. How, how many times did you see them have to punt? I, I, w- I wonder, especially within the possessions that mattered, like the first eight drives of the game, how many times did Green Bay actually have to punt the ball away? Once. Yeah, And they only yes. punted three times total for the game. This is Dan Quinn, who went underwent this reclamation two years after getting to the Super Bowl with Atlanta as the head coach and then suffering the 28-3 to debacle doing legitimately a great job with the Dallas Cowboys. And now we have the Super Bowl to go to, and we have this last game he ever coached with Dallas to go to as massive warning signs to not hire this guy. And both of them have come in the biggest moments that he's ever coached in the NFL, at least since he was a head coach with Atlanta.
3: Dude, The Seahawks are going to do the reverse Homer Simpson gif and reemerge to reinstate Pete Carroll as their head coach. Because they, they they moved on for him to essentially hire Dan Quinn. There's no way after after last night the Seahawks can hire him, and he was on the candidate list to interview for Carolina, dude. There's no way, Daddy Tep can interview Dan Quinn after what he did yesterday, right? Like, you cannot seriously consider this guy as a coaching candidate of your franchise.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about everything that they did, and Jordan Love, and his numbers, 272-3 scores, all right? talked about Aaron Jones and how great he was. Yeah. And Green Bay tied their franchise record for scoring in a postseason game, and this was something, like you said, nobody saw this coming, but – Again, and Walker, we talked about it early on in the fishbowl, the the busted assignments, which I put a lot on the players. But yet and still, you have to have your guys prepared and ready to go in these moments. This isn't a regular season game where you can say, hey, next week we'll get this thing together. We had some mistakes. No, this is the postseason. Everything needs to be buttoned up coming into the game. And that's one of the things that, yeah, people talk about Belichick and, and Brady and who was the most responsible. But one thing you could always say about those Patriot teams is that they were always prepared for every situation. There weren't a lot of mental mistakes like that where guys were blowing coverages and things of that nature. And I think that certainly speaks to coaching to where you have that, that fear in your players and also just that accountability amongst your team that, guys know when they come into the games, they know their assignments backwards and forwards, and they're not going to have a lot of MAs, which is, you know, mental mistakes.
1: Well, and, and it goes back to the point I was making of just how many smart minds there are in the postseason that make it, it feels like some of these other guys just might get exploited. I don't want to call them frauds. Like Mike McDaniel, he's not a fraud to me. That dude is really smart. And remember he takes over Miami at a point where they were ready to not, it wasn't a question should we move on from two or not? It, most people did want to move on from him. Maybe not in Miami because Miami has this weird loyalty fan base thing. And they're going to They just want to win. They're they, just happy. they win, right. We're, right. And they are. And what Mike McDaniel has done on top of adding some of the pieces here, Tyree kill is a human cheat code, but he uses them in the best way possible. It's just when you're going against Andy Reed. Oh yeah. Andy Reid has been doing this for a long time. It's really tough to beat that guy. Dan Quinn. Going against Matt LaFleur, where I'm trying to find, yeah, it was Bagel Guy writes in what I think is a good point Greg Olson made. Matt LaFleur had to build his offense around what Aaron Rodgers wanted, which, okay, like I can understand that. Makes sense. Yeah. But now Matt Lafleur can finally run his own offense, and you get to see it work for bringing along a young QB that's really talented. That balled yesterday;
3: he was in his bag yesterday. That was as good a play calling I've I've seen all season long.
1: Like there was so much of it. That that's some of my biggest takeaways. And we can move on from this. And I, I do want to talk a little more about what Carolina is missing when you watch Wild Card Weekend. What are some of the biggest things? But Wes, I just saw smart football all across the board and it's not to take anything away from the players i think smart people know you have to have really good players in order to win and so the gms go and get those guys but, man, it's just a perfect marriage between talent and smart football minds, and that was anything but here in the Queen City. Mm-hmm. Didn't have that at all, and maybe not even Dallas, too. That's why you were. I know that's why you were signing. Yeah,
3: it? but then I started daydreaming about LaFleur and the Packers scoring 48 in San Francisco on Saturday night, and all we is go. well in the world.
1: That's
2: well,
3: good. It's going to be all right.
2: Let's take it in one game at a time. It's the first shot. One game at a time. The first shot. I'm not shot. gonna respond to any of the nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a focused uh, man. You know That's what I'm saying? a focus man. That's right what there. I'm saying. This- it, not gonna respond to the nonsense. One game at a time. We'll line it up Saturday night and see what happens.
1: <laughs> what's, <laughs> what, what's Bryant a part of the Bill Belichick coaching tree? That's right, tree. baby. He is ready to go. We're on to you ain't on Dallas. Me. me. What do you got, Fiddy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> on the green bag that's right baby you ain't gonna you ain't gonna uh, dallas me
1: all right let's continue I, I like this convo what's the biggest <laughs> difference between all of the wild card teams and the carolina panthers we can move on to that discussion in the upcoming segment it's wesson walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz
4: mcdonald's is not new to chicken
2: I don't think that's how you're supposed to dance to a song like that, man, but I'm going to let you rock. How was he dancing? Do it again. He was buddy, back there twerking and gyrating <laughs> to the Roots. I think that might be the first time ever that's happened to a Roots
1: song. I, I don't know, maybe somebody got a little too saucy at a Roots concert. Yeah. There's got to be there, there are some songs that maybe <laughs> you can twerk to. I was. I, I saw the clip of L. Duncan joined The Right Time with Mamadi mm-hmm. Jones, and they were talking about how L. Duncan wants to listen to the Ying Yang Twins instead mm-hmm. of Nas, and how she was at a Party one time, mm-hmm. and some dude came up and said, "Hey, play Illmatic, play Illmatic," while they were getting down to some Yin Yang Twins, and it killed the whole party. And oh, you got to yeah. understand, there's a time and place for Illmatic, but there's also a time and place for you to go ahead and twerk. And we, as long as we understand that. Then you can have both. You can have your parties, and you can vibe out in the car to some Elmatic. Yeah. I do like that Fitty married both worlds, though, by twerking to Roots right there. Right. I, I would like to see that we continue. Do.
3: Probably don't think I'm going <laughs> to marry my life, Walker. So
1: that's a couple of self-deprecating jokes today. Yeah. I had, is it? Is it all Dallas-based? Is that why you're making self-deprecating jokes?
3: When your football season comes to an end, it's. Uh, I hear you. It's it's one of it's one of the worst days.
1: Now it did not happen for Casey Steve. His football team is still rolling along here. Casey Steve, he said, I'm a Panther fan. Well, I know. Okay, so his team out in Kansas City. I guess he's a Panther fan, but also a Chiefs fan, I would imagine. Casey Steve writes in on the text line. You can too. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. He said, I matched Fitty's disappointment when my twenty dollar beer froze in minutes out of the game. It was a real thing. Mm. We saw this. I saw the one clip that was going around of the water bottle. As soon as it was taken out of the fridge, it starts to get frozen. If you've ever seen the day after tomorrow, it looked exactly like that hitting the water bottle where it was starting to get frozen from the bottom up and you couldn't drink it after 30 seconds of it being out of the fridge. Mm where the fridge was actually keeping drinks warm compared to the weather that was outside.
2: Yeah, and I saw the guy with the beer who you know had, I guess it had been uh, foaming at the top, and that was frozen, couldn't even drink it, and I'm sure he spent <laughs> about
1: $15 on it. I, I would have to get a beer, too. I would have to. It's just part of the experience. Playoff football, I want it. But I would have to think, like, man, it it's negative 20 feel. It's actually minus 5, 4, whatever it was maybe this is the time I don't get the beer because I'm going to have to chug it and I do not want to chug a really cold beer in 30 seconds before I watch this football game and be in even more pain.
2: Or you might. Uh, you know, you need that internal blanket, so you might need to get those drinks down fast and furious. Oh, that good old liquid on, coat. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, even know if a liquid, if that coat's going to help you in that kind of weather.
1: Uh, Fiddy, you grabbed the mic for liquid coat. Was there anything you wanted to share on that?
3: No, I was just going to say you chugging the beer would be good practice whenever you chug the, uh, the soda during a segment that you still owe the people. I think that's going to happen this week. I think I, it should. I think is when this is
1: bringing me to Jersey. So I can
2: get
3: oh, this. Over I've,
1: I've got it. We're, we're going to hit the yeah. ground running. I was sick last week. That threw me for a loop. Um, but I think now's the time now. No more Panther football. We have less playoff games, important, but less playoff games to mm-hmm. get to. So I think we're about to hit a lot of the punishments that we have. I do want to hear more stories from KC Steve at that game. Like I told him, I need more. Keep texting us because yeah. I want to know how cold it was. I asked the biggest difference between the wild card teams and the Carolina Panthers as we know them right now. Wes, I I gave you smart play calling. Mm-hmm. I gave you just smart minds leading these teams. You saw it all over the place. Here's something else that stood out to me the most. Playmakers everywhere. Yeah. You go to Houston, Nico Collins is just running downfield wide open as the guy that broke the most tackles at the wide receiver position in the NFL this year. Mm. Baller. CJ Stroud helping him too, but Nico is the real deal. You go to the Rams, Puka had a Steve Smith-esque game yesterday. He did. Did he not look like Steve Smith against Chicago in that game? You couldn't stop him unless you held on to his jersey. No call at the end, which I'm fine with. Detroit got screwed on a call earlier. I'm not here to do the whole ref thing. But Puka was insane. As a fifth-round rookie who went almost to 1,500 yards in a 17-game season, Puka was insane. Like, Cooper Cup is out there as your second-best receiver and Puka is way more dominant, so now you can go there. Amon Ross St. Brown, they go to a guy that they can trust on second and nine in a gutsy call at the end of the game because they have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, too. How about Green Bay? You don't have one ball number one wide receiver that's just giving you the 180 that Puka did, but you just have great weapons all over the place. You have two tight ends that have developed in Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. You have Dontavian Wicks, who looks great. Romeo Dobbs is a physical specimen. Wes, that was another big thing for me. The separation is smart minds, good quarterback play. That's the easy one. But, man, wide receivers all over the place balling on some of these defenses that they beat down.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I'll add something else into the mix, and I'll just add confidence. I mean, you saw from the teams, especially the ones that won, they played with the confidence and a swagger. I mean— you look at C.J. shot and the Texans, there was no stage fright with this group at all. They were out ready to play. They were out ready to prove a point, and they did so. And nothing got to uh, C.J. Stroud. You look at Jordan Love, another one, walking into the belly of the beast to play the Dallas Cowboys. And they're the underdog, and they're the young team, and they're supposed to learn a harsh lesson here to, to carry them forward, to make them a championship-caliber team. Nope. They came out ready to go. They threw experience out the window. Uh, Jordan Love and those young receivers came out ready to make plays. They weren't intimidated by the names on the Dallas Cowboy defense. They weren't intimidated by anything. So I think if you take away a a lot of those things, even you talk about Detroit, St. Brown and that crew, there was all the pressure in the world on Detroit to come out and win that game. With everything those fans' hopes, you could see it from the time it started. You saw when they won, fans crying in the stands, Eminem on the sideline. You saw the message that he sent before the game to Matthew Stafford. And those guys came out there when the moment was the biggest, and they were like, no, we're getting this thing done. Forget about it. And so I think with the Panthers, a lot of what you saw and a lot of what you heard behind the scenes after the losses started to pile up that this team – uh, I'm not going to say that, that they quit necessarily, but just you could see that there was a lack of confidence on the offensive side of the football uh, to where this team was just not in the belief and played with the kind of swagger that they knew that they were going to come out and hang X amount of points on you no matter what you
1: did. Wes, what I said was even true of the team that had the most wide receiver criticism of any team in the NFL. Even Kansas City is out there showcasing Rasheed Rice. Yeah. E- even even Kansas City has a guy that we would love to have and would probably be tied with Adam Thielen with his impressive year. Mm-hmm. But Rasheed Rice would be fantastic to have. It's the confidence of all these teams for sure. It's the wide receivers too. Don't forget and Romeo Dobbs either. That, 150 know, yards, touchdown. No, I mentioned him. Yeah, like yeah. Green Bay just has balance all over the place. And the last one I, I skipped over because it's obvious to me, but quarterbacks, that helps. hmm And Houston's got a young one. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is out here <laughs> dropping dimes against a great defense. 910 texted in. We mentioned the blues that Panthers fans might be experiencing because they don't have CJ Stroud. 910 said no blues watching CJ ball out. Bryce doesn't have anything that CJ does. That's, oh boy, here well, we go with that. Well, well, okay, hold on. Because that I agree. I don't think he's got much of what CJ has, but that's mm-hmm. I, the reason you have that frustration though is well heard. Mm-hmm. It invalidates what C.J. is. Right. C.J. special. Mm -hmm. We get it. And he showed up in a monster game just like he did against Georgia in the college football playoff a year ago when that was an actual criticism towards him showing up in the big games. We would use Michigan as that example. Mm -hmm. But he showed up against Georgia and West. Here he is. He looks special. Now, no blues for some people. But, yeah, I think a lot of Panthers fans. I heard it in Mac's voice today. It's tough to watch C.J. do.
2: Yeah, and we can get back to this. uh, You know, we're going to do Campus Corner and all that, and then we can get into this C.J. discussion and and all of that in in a little bit, too, because I have more thoughts on that that's going
1: to All right, so you're saying let's go to break, and then you'll drop the C.J. knowledge on everybody. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, we're going to get to that.
1: All right, Campus Corner. It's coming up next. ACC Basketball Weekend Recap, North Carolina. Ooh, they continue to impress after Dang a beatdown against Sarah. Yeah. Fitty needed it. <laughs> he, he needed it just to cushion the blowout that the Dallas Cowboys would experience this weekend. Just how good are they? And also wake forest getting a win this weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll get through all of it coming up next on sports radio, 92, seven WFNC.